Welcome to episode 35 of MADE, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Today we're going to talk drones. Let's continue the conversation. Hi everyone, welcome back to MADE. With me as always is Ray Peña. Greetings. And Claudia Berrigan. Hello. So happy to be here. Yeah, we're back, guys. It's been almost two months that we've been away. Yeah. Things, yeah, things have been busy. It's a little bit my fault. I got busy first with automatic and then other stuff, so I just haven't been able to to nail you guys down to record. So how did how did that go? Uh, well, well, I, I sold uh, quite a few of the pieces. I made more than I've made. I've only done it one other time, so I made more than I've made before. So it's good, and I mean, when you turn a profit, it's always good. So yeah. yeah. Now the automatic thing is it is it free or do you need to pay a no, fee? No, no, you, you pay a fee to to get a space to attend. What? To to attend and have a booth. To participate. Yeah, yep. to participate, not to attend. Like it's free for people to go, uh-huh. but you pay a fee to display your work, basically. Okay. A- and you have to do some vol- volunteer time because since it's all run by artists so you pay a fee to put up your work and then you have to do three shifts of volunteer work there mm-hmm. so, so i mean it's good in that sense i sold quite a few of the pieces that i that i was trying to trying to sell so yeah, came out good good yeah yep, yep, yep. what do you guys have been up to and anyway, i read uh, you're still busy with the spinners i am and i started shipping this week and uh, in fact I, I had to ship 10 today but uh, yeah, very, very busy. I have about 125 orders that I need to fill now. Now, I saw you're putting some of them in like tins as well. Some of this, when it's a single one, I guess, you put them in. Yeah. So um, the way it was working before, uh, you know, and the whole thing has kind of happened all by accident. So I've been trying to evolve with it as it's been developing. Right. Uh, you know, I didn't have a, a clear plan and intention to start a business making spinners. It just kind of erupted. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I found some tins uh, at a one company, and I was able to get those. And the dimensions of the tins, are, they're not ideal for me, but I, but they're ideal for shipping. They fit in a flat rate box. Oh, okay, nice. So, I wanted the next size up, but it'd be too thick. It wouldn't fit in a flat rate box. Hmm. So, luckily, almost all of them, <laughs> almost yeah. all of the ones I make will fit in that one tin. Nice. So yeah, so I made the uh, I got the tins relatively inexpensively. I think they were like a dollar and twenty cents, dollar or thirty cents, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a clear window on top. And then I've uh, I got some foam off of eBay, and I've been laser cutting the foam to fit um, the, the tin, yeah. the mm-hmm. tins, and then of course the parts. Yeah. So well, you saw the pictures. It's a very nice form yeah, fitting. It's a good fit. It's a good fit. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, instead of just wrapping it, uh, I was wrapping them in tissue and sticking them in a box, and they would. You know, move around and all that. Now it's a little bit more professional presented. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people, the customers are very attuned to the, not only to the quality of the product, but also the the display and packaging. They're very uh, detail-oriented when it comes to that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, because that means a higher-end product is not the, I mean, you see spinners everywhere now. I saw some at, at 7-Eleven the other day for like a dollar or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's it's funny, though. Thing. I saw those uh, a manufacturing, I saw the facility, a video on the facility that manufactures those plastic ones. Mm-hmm. 
They produce fifty to 60,000 of those a day. Hmm. And they have an assembly line with uh, 40, 50 people in the assembly line. Now, but okay, did you see there, there was an article going around, I saw it on Facebook, that a lot of those spinners, because since there's, anybody can make mm-hmm. them, yeah. they're coming from China or whatever, some of them have lead in the plastic. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you bought a spinner for a dollar from somebody, you should probably throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> and, or don't give it to your kid to put in his mouth or whatever they're doing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, people think that because it's cheap then it's manufactured or at least it looks well that it's it's perfectly safe and i will tell you this this is not the first time uh that a product from china has been dangerous uh i don't know if you remember the melamine in the dog food that was a problem um they had hoverboards the hoverboards well yeah those were counterfeit hoverboards they didn't Uh, which is the problem with counterfeiting. They don't put the research into developing and they just make something that looks the same. Right. Yeah. And as we all know, I'm, I'm also a victim of this counter of the Chinese counterfeiting culture. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. I don't know if you remember, maybe a year or two ago, they had the artificial rice, which was basically puffed plastic. It looks like rice, but it most <laughs> definitely is not rice. That's weird. Yeah, so... I did not not hear about this. (laughs) Yeah, it was... uh, If you look up up plastic rice, you'll see it comes uh, from China. They, I mean, they just don't care. They don't care who they hurt. If they (laughs) kill anybody, they really don't care. It's weird. That's crazy. (laughs) It is. So, lead in the plastic? Yeah, I'm not surprised. If you're talking about a culture that doesn't care if they steal things. Um, And, of course, this is not all of them. This is... Yes, specifically please, please say that, the counterfeiter, right? <laughs> you know, people who are specifically looking to hurt other people by counterfeiting mm-hmm. merchandise. Right. Yeah, I mean, and they're just trying to turn a dollar, so they cut corners, they do whatever it takes to make a, to make a dollar. Yeah. So. yeah. And we should also say that it's not just China that does that yeah. either. No, it's not, but it's the most prolific. Yes, yeah. but we have to clarify that, yeah. right? <laughs> we just have to yeah. clarify What about you, Claudia? What have you been up to in the time we've been off? Uh, it's just a lot family stuff a lot of stuff but yeah just i'm really looking forward to being to to doing this mm-hmm. yeah because I, i it's been missing in my life i think <laughs> it's been missing <laughs> uh, well right. now well hold on now that the that the weather's changed you've been riding your scooter around more haven't you yes and actually we um i got jose to print a little part for one of my um lights so in the back my rear light The, the signaling light was always off. It would just come off, like, as if yeah, it was like an eye. And it would just, like, <laughs> fall off. Yeah. yeah, like, the 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 part where the screw fit into it had broken off of the, the uh, frame. Yeah. Of and the it's light. a plastic frame, it's a, I mean. It's a right? plastic piece, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, for a long time, now that we have the printer, the 3D printer, Jose went ahead and, like, printed that little part out. And, mm-hmm. and then I epoxied it back on, and, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a whole thing. Did you glue it yeah. in place or something, or is it, like, mechanical? No, so I, I glued it in place with uh, with like some five meter epoxy. Mm-hmm. So let's see how it holds now. If it doesn't, if it, I mean, it's you've been running it around. It's been pretty good. If it at yeah. some point comes off or something, then uh, you know I'll try something else. But yeah, it seems to be holding pretty well. Yeah, yeah epoxy is very rigid and it can be brittle, so vibration might end up causing a failure point. But maybe uh, you need like a more uh, Uh, flexible flexible. adhesive yeah i've got this really good stuff that's made in germany can't remember Mm. what it is so it's like a tube of of, like imagine like a squeeze tube of silicone 
Yeah. Um, it's yeah, a, yeah. it's about fifty dollars per tube. Gives you an idea of the cost of it. And it takes about three weeks to fully cure. Wow. But once it cures, you are you cannot separate it. We use it industrially on these uh, to, to adhere high temperature silicone to an aluminum backing. And it, it works great, but you just got to let it sit for three weeks. And it sticks to silicone? Oh, yeah. Believe it or not, sticks. That's how, that's how aggressive mm. this is. Interesting. Yeah. What other things have you worked on? Well, I mean, we, we can talk about that in the yeah. what we're working on segment yeah. of that show <laughs> later. It's been so long you already forgot the order of the show. Oh, I totally did, yes. I'm telling you, it's been missing in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I need order. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we get right into the main topic? So no news today, because I haven't had a chance to gather up news, but next week we'll, we'll come back with some news, and maybe we do one of the news episodes at some point. Um but what I thought we'd do, and we're all going to take over the next couple of weeks or next couple of months, we're each going to take turns doing a report on the topic mm-hmm. to each other, and then we're going to talk about whatever that report was about, right? So I'm going to do the first one this week, and it's going to be about drones. And then, you know, whenever we'll, we'll figure out whoever does the next report, then we'll... We'll do a report then, right? Yeah, well, I, I have already a topic. I'm you not going to share the, co- the topic because, yeah, I'm completely, this is the topic that I'm going to talk about. But, yeah, I don't know if I should keep it a secret or not. It's <laughs> awesome. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, no, it's fine. Keep it a, keep it a secret. A little bit of sizzle there. Yeah. <laughs> Turn, tune in for Claudia. But, you know, now, now you that you hyped it up, I'm expecting big things. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so, all right, so, yeah. Tuning Zoom form, we'll, we'll let you guys know ahead of time when the next report's coming. Um, so yeah, so let's just get right into the main topic then. Yes. Alright, so getting right into the main topic. Um, so I'll start with a quick, you know, I don't know, we'll see how long. I have a couple of facts to get through. It shouldn't take very long. There was some facts about drones, and then we'll get into sort of a more broader discussion as to, you know, the making of drones and what we think about them, because it's, it's a big part of the maker movement. So, um, I think the beginning part of it, you know, to begin talking about drones is we should maybe do some definitions, because when I, at least when I talk about drones, I'm, you know, I'm in reality talking about what's known as a quadcopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but should we say, like, first of all, like, that, you know, both right now, at this point, you're the expert on this thing, because we didn't do any research on this. Right. So you're basically yeah. letting us, giving us all of that information, and sort of like a teach-in. Yeah. A, it's a good thing, a because podcast. for a second there, I wasn't sure if the, if it was, these are not the drones you're looking for kind of drones. So <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but those are the droids you're looking for. Oh, the droids. <laughs> I always do that. I always com- like com- like confuse the two. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I think if we start with some definitions, I will we'll, 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 I think we, we'll be able to figure out what which. So I'm going to say drones a lot because that's sort of the the common term that's now become f- known for quadcopters, right? Yeah. But in reality, a drone is any unmanned aircraft or ship mm-hmm. guided remote control or onboard computers, right? So that's a drone. That's why when you hear like. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, the big thing were the drone strikes, right, in, in politics. 
Yes, those yes. Were actually, military. Yeah, yeah. yeah military ways. Yeah. But those were actually planes yeah. that they're using. But unmanned, like remote, right. uh, remote, remote piloted, control. yeah. Right, right. So drone really You do know, by the way, that I've made a lot of parts for those kind of things. Yep, yeah, yeah. no, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing is like, so in this definition, so what you're saying is, is this is also for predominantly for hobbyists? Well, the ones we're going to be talking about are mostly predominantly for hobbyists. Okay, cool. Um, but I will go through some of the history of the drones. And a lot of the history of drones brings in some military parts of it. Because that's, that's sort of where mm-hmm. a lot of the history of drones came up from. Cool. Um, but a drone is really, it's another name for like an unmanned aerial vehicle or a UAV is what they, they also call it. Which is any kind of aircraft that has no crew or passengers, right? Mm-hmm. Now, an un, a quadcopter is also an unmanned helicopter that has four rotors. So, you know, everybody knows a helicopter has just the top rotor and then it has a, uh, a tail rotor as well that helps it stabilize. A quadcopter uses four to stabilize itself. Right? So, when, we, when I keep referring to drones, we're actually talking about quadcopters. Right? So, a little bit on the history of quadcopters. And this might be a little dry, but we'll see how it goes. Right, is the earliest recorded use of an unmanned aerial vehicle for war fighting was in August 22nd of 1849. Oh, wow. That's a long time ago. It's a long time ago, right? <laughs> but it wasn't a quadcopter at that point. It was actually the Australians attacked an Italian city, the Italian city of Venice, with an unmanned balloon that was loaded with explosives. Okay, that makes a little more sense. <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's really the first time that people people use unmanned vehicles for warfare. Oh, and, and if you think about warfare. it, that's sort of the first unmanned vehicle is a balloon. You know, people <laughs> just sort of let a balloon up and, and measure temperature and whatnot. So yeah. <clears throat> in the 1920s, there was, uh, it was called the Omission Number no. 2, which was designed by a guy named Etienne... Omission, right? And that was the first one that had four rotors and eight propellers. Mm. What year was that? In 1920. 1920, okay. So still very yeah, early. So still early, but it's after sort of the First World War, mm-hmm. getting close to the second there, you know? Yeah. Um, and it had over a thousand successful flights. Hmm. It was a U.S. Air Force project, and it was considered very stable for the time, right? <laughs> In 1956, there was the Convert Towing Model A quadcopter, which was designed by Dr. George Bothetha and Ivan Jerome. And it was one of the first quadcopters to use varying thrust of the four propellers. So it was, you know, it, it was able to adjust better than the first one was. Well, for stabilization. Right. It would control the roll and the pitch and the yaw better in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it was apparently very hard to fly. <laughs> You know, because you had more stuff to control, you didn't just sort of float up like the other one did. To the still remote control. No, no, the, this was a pilot on it, but it's a quad. They're quadcopters now. Okay, got it. So these were piloted by somebody. In, so these are manned. Right. Okay. Yeah. But small, I'm assuming. Uh, no, no, enough for like one or two people to be on it. Mm. So they were they were quite large. Right in in so that was 1956 and 58. Curtis Wright made one, uh, made one, and it was called the Curtis Wright VZ-7. It was also an army project, and that one also used variable uh, thrust. And uh, after that, the sort of 
the idea of using a quadcopter sort of for especially for warfare for armed forces sort of went off it wasn't as popular because you know you could just have a helicopter so most of the funding went towards helicopters and it was sort of abandoned in that in that setting right not a lot of people really felt like the quadcopter was was very needed until really in the 2000s when it started coming back as a hobby right now before the 2000s you were getting drones of sort that were just regular helicopters right so those were the first um, RC flying vehicles that people had and, and you must have, I know I had one for a little bit it was a little helicopter it was very hard to fly they had a single rotor and a, and a tail rotor um, but in the 2000s advances in electronics made the parts small enough that they could be lightweight for a type of drone that we see nowadays Right, so that's in the two, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about those little, like, those tiny little helicopters that were made out of, like, foam. Right, so those had were the that first engines. ones. That, but that was before, the, that was in sort of the, the 90s, late 90s. Yeah, I remember my brother, my older brother, like, like went and got himself one. I think it was from Radio Shack. Yeah, Radio like, Shack yeah, would yeah, have them. Yeah, you could get more the more expensive ones that were better, and you could mount the camera to it, and you could fly around. But those were, they were hard to fly. Yeah. Even, even the small ones were hard to fly. Oh, yeah, it didn't last long. <laughs> right, and that's why they switched to quadcopters, because quadcopters are more stable. Mm. They're easier to fly than just their, than a RC helicopter is. Um, in, so that's when, in the do, early 2000s, when this sort of boom started with quadcopters. In 2014 was when the first drone race happened, <clears throat> and that was in Australia. The Australians loved themselves so much. They do like to race. They do like to race, and they, they do like some, some drones, you know. Um, and just a sort of more recent history, in 2014, the FAA started to try and regulate the drones because the, the popularity soared so much that they started to try and regulate them. There, you know, some of the rules that were put into place is that it can't be flown more than 400 feet up in the air. It must be flown by eyesight. And it cannot be used for business-related purposes. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're a, if you consider yourself a hobbyist flyer, it can't be for commercial purposes. At that same time, the FAA started issuing um, exceptions for businesses to be able to use them for commercial purposes. Right. And not much after that, in 2015, is when the registration sort of came about. So now you had to register your drone. It started with you know, you had to pay a five dollar fee, but they would refund it to you for the first couple of months. Now it was uh, fully paid. You, if you want to, if you buy one today and you wanted to register it, it would you have to pay the five dollars to register. And they give you a number that you put on your drone. It's very straightforward. And registering is required. Registering is required above a certain weight. Oh, so if it's a little tiny Radio Shack model, oh no, forget that. <laughs> yeah, you can forget that. One. But if it's a little tiny thing, you don't have to worry about. Yeah, <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a small one, let's say, uh, what was the store we were at just recently? Uh, Brooks Brothers? No, it's not Brooks Brothers. It's, uh, um, yeah. Brooks Brothers? No. Brookstone. Brookstone. Brookstone still sells little ones. Uh, so you can, you can still find Brookstone yeah. in the mall. For, our, for yeah. our listeners, the reason that's funny is if you haven't heard yet. Um, yeah, we, but anyway, go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, yeah. No, that's fine. I mean, we did a show about fixing Radio Shack and... And Radio Shack's still sinking. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So that's the majority of what I had as far as the report. I just wanted to mention a couple of... So the most popular drone on the market right now is a com made by a company called DJI. And it's the Phantom. It's sort of, and it's, you, you'll see also a lot of knockoffs of it. it the, you know, it's sort of the traditional white drone. It, it has sort of red or gold stripes on, on two of the rotor arms. Um, uh -huh. and, right? You've probably seen it. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, it, didn't they use that in the uh, White Rabbit project? Uh, yes, they did. That was one of the ones that they used the one, when, when the drone flies out of the, the car's uh, uh, trunk. Mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a DJI Phantom. And they, I think they also used the other one that it's uh, their more expensive one, which I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of, of their, their more expensive brand. Um, but the DJI Phantom is one that you can now buy for 500 bucks, and it's it's a, a drone that has um, GPS on it, so it's easier to fly. So it, it sort of becomes the standard for a high-end, inexpensive drone. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of like a quick report on drones. I think one of the things that we, even though I, I had done this research, there a, a recent... Um, development as far as drones goes, is something you had told me about, Claudia, that you had seen. Um, yeah. And that was that, that law that the FAA passed, um, there was a, a recent development on it. Yeah, and I found out about it from a friend of mine, like that I, well, not a, not a, like, I, I should say an acquaintance of mine mm -hmm. on Facebook. Um, and it was because uh, he, like, a lot of his other friends and acquaintances of mine were really happy that he was able to not, um, like, to, to, so basically the charges against him were released. And I was like, oh, this is interesting because he's a, he's a, he's a rapper, he's an artist and everything else. Apparently he went to um, uh, North Dakota with the um, Standing Rock, um, like, this was, like, earlier in the, in, like, last year uh, for all of the protests that were happening over there and because there were a lot of artists that were that were going over there in solidarity and he had a drone that he took with him and um, because you know it's North Dakota and it's cold and it's just an open field right and yeah they charge him with criminal um, charges um, for flying well, for, for, flying, the... for flying really? the drone. Yeah, and you know this is like this is criminal charges, which is like pretty bad, and all because he didn't have he hadn't paid the five dollars. He didn't have the number registered, the registration mm -hmm. number in his thing. So, um, but there a lot of lawyers got involved, and what the big like what came out of that, and I don't know too much too many details. I posted about this on the Facebook. Um, but what came out of it is that there was a contradiction between FFA, FAA um, regulations about um, the sizes specifically, and then also um, the term of hobbyist, mm -hmm. right? So it's those drones that are for hobby use and those drones that are more military in use. So that's why it was a criminal um, charge. And it wasn't. It was a hobby. And uh, apparently all the hobbyists have been trying to fight this regulation for a while. And again, you know, this isn't like in an urban setting. This is more like in big rural areas where, you know, you don't really have that threat that much of privacy or other issues because they're not as um, a highly populated area. So, yeah, he, so charges were dropped for him, and that was a, a wonderful thing. And as of May um, 10th of 
2017 of this year, uh, the FAA lifted that regulation while they're reviewing their inconsistencies in their regulations. So right now they're nicely encouraging people to uh, register, but they don't have to. And when I say people, they specifically talk about unmanned um, quadcopters for hobbyists. Which is really the, 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 the part where it becomes an issue. And you know, well, and I think this is where we start getting into the bigger discussion about it. Um, you know, we've been, we've been to Maker Affairs where drone racing is taking place. Um, so I, I think as we discuss it, we, I guess we should first talk about, um, I know I own a small drone. Ray, you don't currently own one. You are thinking about buying one though, right? Um, yeah. Um, you know what? This DJI one looks nice as a starter drone. Right. I can I can crash that thing like it's nobody's business. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it's actually not that hard. It's not that easy to crash, like unless you're really being careless with it, because you know it has settings on it for like hover, and it'll like st- it, you know if you buy a small drone like the ones you could get a Radio Shack, like the little ones to learn on, like that drone you have to fly completely by hand. It has no assist mode to it. Uh-huh. The DJI drones do have assist modes to it. So you could tell it, you know, take off and it'll hover at that location until you start flying it again. You know, so it has certain, uh, what's the right word for it? It has certain features, user friendliness to it. Yeah. You know, that a lot of other things that you fly don't, you know. But you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking we need to marry a drone to a 3D printer so you can 3D print on the fly. <laughs> While you're flying. While you're flying, you can 3D print. What do you think of that? This reminds me of <laughs> I, I was having a conversation in Facebook with somebody about, because I'm, I'm a member of a lot of 3D printing uh, Facebook groups, and, and this guy posted a question where it was like, oh, if you're in the middle of the ocean and there's nothing around, could you 3D print yourself a, a floating platform? And he was like, <laughs> well, but that means there's no power, there's no this, there's no other thing. I, I don't know, it was just a, like a whole No raw materials? Forward. Yeah. Like if, <laughs> yeah, it was just like, anyway, it's... It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, you know what? That sounds like a, a question posed by like a 12-year-old. Well, and, and I don't think he was a, 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 he was almost like wanted to make a case for being able to 3D print, print in water, which is a very difficult thing to like 3D print on an unstable surface, which is a very difficult thing to do. You yeah. Know? So, <clears throat> um, but uh, so first... You know, the part that's mostly closely related to, say, the Maker Faires, we, we've all seen some uh, drone racing. Yes. I think is the most boring thing ever. What do you guys, where do you guys stand in that? <laughs> yeah, I agree. As a spectator, it is boring, and it's it, it kind of reminds me of, of NASCAR, really. Uh, <laughs> things going around a circle, and you're just watching, hoping for something exciting to happen. You know? Right. Um, and then I started, uh, the ones that we've seen, I was thinking that that is a fast-moving, shiny object going around in circles, like a race car on a track. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking that we were the NASCAR fans. <laughs> that was us, you know, with our, with our mullets and hats and... <laughs> Uh, you know, shirts, sleeveless shirts with holes in them, and Miller lights. That, that was oh us. God. We were the, those. Were, those are us. Because we were sitting there watching them race. Because we were sitting there watching. Yeah, we were the NASCAR fans in that in that scenario. 
Uh, I guess theoretically, yes, even though we didn't stay very long. Long, no, yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I think you went a little bit on a very huge exaggeration there, but <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> um, what do you think of the drone raising? Yeah, it was. It wasn't the like. It wasn't the most entertaining thing to watch. Right. But what was interesting, I thought, was more like the what happens on the ground because mm-hmm. it's all these teams and they have like the strategies and they're all wearing their t-shirts and they're all wearing you know the same color like it's basically a a, a sport right and to them yes to them and that was to me the interesting part because again this is like a good like you know the most 20 minutes of watching it mm-hmm. the most i mean that's like if you're eating popcorn at the same time but yeah, it was interesting in that sense. And I like the the fact that, you know, there are those guys that are like, yeah, I'm a pro and I can do this on my own. And then they... I think, I mean, yeah. to me, the more interesting part of the drone racing part is that they actually race using virtual reality goggles, right? So they're, they're not racing by line of sight. They're racing by seeing what the drone sees. You got a first-person point right. of view. Right. Yeah, which I think that's the most interesting part because they're having to use, you know, which leads to the next thing is putting one of these things together yourself. Like, these guys have to put these things together and use sort of cameras that are low enough resolution that that video feed can be sent to them quick enough that they can, you know, respond to the movement of the of the, the drone. You know, there, there can't be almost any delay there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, putting Well, what you're saying, the interesting part is the technological aspect. Right. Of it. Yeah. I, I think so, right? I think that's the, sort of the most interesting part of a drone. Because, I mean... F- You'll see once once you get one yourself. <laughs> yeah, flying it is fun for a bit, but unless you're doing something with that flight, how how much interest is it going to hold for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so so I've been like just I got really like interested in what you were talking about militarized mm-hmm. drones, and that is a different type of drone. I'm assuming, right? When, when we talk about like right. um, currently, so. But when we talk about U.S. military. Right. So that, like, currently the U.S. military, as far as the drones that they use, they don't use any quadcopters that I'm aware of. They use airplane-type drones. Mm-hmm. So I quickly searched something now. Mm-hmm. Remember the story I told you guys about um, Standing Rock, right? Yeah. Now it happens to be in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. So apparently in 2015, uh, a law passed in North Dakota that police could have, uh, could now legally fly quadcopters, mm-hmm. drones, that are armed with tasers and tear gas. Uh-huh. So these are actual, like, militarized, or, like, uh-huh. weaponized is what way they call it, yeah. weaponized yeah. drones, and easily passed. And what was interesting is that, so it, it passed, like, like in one of those weird legal, like, uh, legislator, legisl- like, overnight legislations that no one had, like, a say on it or anything. Um, but then, like, recently, I think it was in, that was in 2014, in 2016, they had a chance to amend it, and they still took out the the weaponized version. Like basically, they wanted to take it out, and they were like, "No, you're not going to take that out away from us. We want to have always the option of weaponizing it." So I was looking at it, and yeah, it's literally like this taser and tear gas that comes out of this drone and like attacks someone. Like a waste of money. <laughs> and these are quad quad cops too. Right, right, right. quad copters. It seems like a big waste of money because how often are you going to have the time to like bust out your drone and get it flying and moving towards somebody? Yeah, but you know what? I think I think this is a preemptive uh, legal move 
and they're establishing the the uh, precedence mm -hmm. by putting into law now. So in 10 or 15 years, when you can have super fast moving, lightweight, automatic, or quickly deployable drones, that the weaponizing aspect of that platform is already in place. I think this is legal maneuvering on purpose. Yeah. I mean, it might be. But I think even at that point, the most dangerous part of a drone, even if it has a weapon on it, is going to be flying the drone into somebody. Into somebody's head. That's, a, that's the other thing, yeah. The, yeah, but that could be part of the weaponizing itself. <laughs> you fly it directly into the assailant. Yeah. Right. While you're shooting, like, tear gas at them. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you but, know, uh, I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, in the last year, some some kid, I, I say kid, he was probably 18, 19, 20, um, once you once you get over forty, uh, people that age are kids too, <laughs> right? So um, this young man actually put a nine millimeter on firearm a on a drone. I don't know if you saw that. I did not see that. It was a humongous issue. It was all over the news mm -hmm. that, and he did it at home. I mean, it was nothing special. He took a drone, made a mount, uh, added some servos to be able to fire an actual firearm from the uh, airborne platform. Jeez. Um, and then, and I think he had a YouTube uh, channel uh, video on it. And after that, he did one with a flamethrower and it would shoot flames 30 feet away. So um, I think was, this was last year. Mm -hmm. So there is precedence for weaponizing it uh, in the private sector already. And I think it's only a matter of time. I think what they're doing is making sure that there would be no opposition by putting into law before it's actually feasible uh, on on a uh, commercial basis for law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Well, I find it like so crazy that you know I was expecting another maybe South Dakota, not the North Dakota. That <laughs> that like you know how callous, right? Like there's the other person here, and he's actually like yeah, he's like a young adult, but to put you know to charge him with criminal charges because he's you know like recording, recording a. You know, and it was actually a solidarity artist event. It wasn't even like a, a major protest or anything. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, here here they come with their own drones trying to taser <laughs> taser people. It's like come yeah. on, but oh well. Well, and I mean, for commercial uses, I've actually seen. You know, you mentioned the flame throwing drone. I've seen a, a drone used that way by uh, electric electric. Uh, companies to uh -huh. to clear off debris from the electric lines or whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's interesting. Right, so that's sort of the next thing is that a lot of drones are being used for a lot of different commercial uses. Um, you know, not just sort of recording purposes, but you know, there's the talk of the delivery drones. Yeah, Amazon drones. Yeah. Amazon, yeah. 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 Um, I think none of that is still legal in the United States as of yet, um, but you imagine it's coming. Yeah. Um, I mean, where do you guys stand when it comes to sort of this idea of the commercial, the different uses for commercial drones? I once saw um, Jamie Heineman trying to make a drone that could actually cut branches and whatnot on trees, sort of use it to prune trees as well. And he had like all these saw blades attached to it and whatnot. Huh. So, I mean, there's certainly uses for it. What do you yeah. guys think about that? I mean, aerial photography. Right when you're when you want to do site surveying, mm -hmm. that's what you're using. Like landscapers are using that a lot, also to determine like uh, deforestation in a in a specific area. Because you can, like before, you had to get like satellite imagery and like you know try to like the the temporal data that you would be able to get is like a year, you know. Mm 
Yeah. Maybe if you're lucky, six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's literally like flying a plane through, you know, paying for all that stuff. But now, like, you can easily check deforestation in an area. Um, and this is not in the U.S., obviously, because here we have so many laws against privacy uh, or protecting privacy, like private um, private lots and stuff like that. But in other countries, you can easily like see if there are people who are uh, damaging forests. Mm-hmm. And you can do that through drone technology. So I think that's kind of cool mm-hmm. because you can put yeah. a camera in it and stuff. But. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think you hit on something either by accident or maybe you weren't aware of what you said. Um, but I think I like the idea of, of that automated drone aerial actual surveying. Mm-hmm. So you can take a lot right now, the way a lot is surveyed is somebody has to physically go out there and with a transit and, they, and GPS coordinates and they verify everything and they put in markers and stuff like that. But there is no reason why with today's accuracy, you can't get a drone that does the exact same thing and survey a lot. In, in minutes instead of hours. I mean, surveying a lot can take days sometimes. Uh, a small lot, you know, if it's a couple of acres, it can take days. And um, But to do that in just a few minutes uh, with, with a drone, and you, you can drop an exact, you can drop something exactly at the corners of the lots, mm-hmm. you know? So, or maybe you're pinged from the, from the sky and you drive something in, but it's a whole lot faster to be able to do that. So I, I could see that kind of potential. On the other hand, I can also see a, like a minority report kind of thing where you have all these, all these drones flying all over the place, scanning everything. And uh, so there, I think there are some real concerns with the fast-moving pace of these things. Uh, you know, you touched on it with the, with the uh, private, privates, preserving privacy and uh, weaponizing platforms. I think that we're going to see quite a a lot of interesting and maybe even some scary developments. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that we, because remember when we watched that, um, what was it, the uh, the White Rabbit Project? Mm-hmm. They had the one thing, the one show about, like, the guy who was trying to make the hoverboard. Right. Right? And he Oh, Grant, did it. yes. Yeah, Grant, and he, and he did it with drones, right? Well, he essentially made himself a... a, a I mean, it, it was six rotors instead of four. He ended up having to put six, I believe, in order to create enough lift. But, um, yeah, essentially he made himself a, a, a quadcopter to hover on as a hoverboard. Yeah, it was a flying platform. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I recently saw a YouTube uh, video also. Like, yeah, it was like, because um, I guess, you know, since I posted that thing about drones, of course, Facebook is always going to put in like, okay, here's another story about drones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a in Portugal, like, because, you know, like, Soccer is their team, their game over there. Mm-hmm. So they had a um, an official because the bringing of the ball to the stadium, the first ball is supposed to be like a big tradition thing, mm-hmm. and he harbored it in like in the air mm-hmm. with the I ball. <laughs> yeah, he he rode he drove he basically flew on one of those platforms similar to what Grant was making mm-hmm. to deliver the the soccer ball. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. 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 Um, and people were up in arms about it. No, they loved it. It was like, oh, oh, that's how that's so amazing that you know someone could do that. I mean, I'm glad nothing bad happened to the guy, right? Because he's literally flying into a into a stadium. Yeah, I mean, just small drones are dangerous if one of those rotors hits you. This thing that's meant to carry a person, I mean, literally caught off ahead, 
if you're not, if you're not careful with it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. <laughs> Which is why a lot of a lot of people think these regulations are a good thing. Um, so where, where do you lie in this idea of having regulations to keep people from either flying in certain areas, like here in DC, for example, is mostly you're not really allowed to fly a drone in very many areas, if any at all. So how do you guys feel about the idea of, you know, as these things become more readily available, people being able to fly anywhere or like, you know, the sky is being saturated with these drones? Huh. Do we need regulations to keep this? Because anybody can build them. I'm a, I'm a member of quite a few groups of people that build drones, you know, mm-hmm. based on a lot of DJI's designs, actually. So. Hmm. I personally, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit straddling two sides on this. Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, I am not one for more regulation, more government interference, more things that try to control uh, aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for example, like uh, like a seatbelt. I wear a seatbelt every time I get in my car. I just don't want the government telling me that I got to do it. Right. It's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, if everyone were responsible, there would be no need for regulating these, uh, these uh, unmanned vehicles. Mm-hmm. The problem, of course, are those people who don't know how to be responsible and they're flying in places that you shouldn't, like let's say you live near an airport. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or near let's, the White House. Like uh, yeah, or near the White House. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows that wherever the president is, there's an automatic no-fly zone, period. Mm-hmm. Period. There's no way around it. There's no um, special variance or license. If there's the president's there, guess what? Nothing flies around him. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's things that are just common sense. But... Uh, you know, you, you have these regulations because, like like a lot of laws, they're all reactive. Nobody is is proactive. Everything is reactive. So, you know, somebody flew in places they weren't supposed to. Like, uh, I know you know, uh, you've heard about these cases where people were flying drones outside bedroom windows. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and, you know, obviously taking pictures. Uh, you're not supposed to do that. I mean, that's a common sense thing. You don't do that. But now, of course, there are laws that say, well, you, you can't fly over private spaces or, or do exactly that. But you shouldn't need that. <laughs> you shouldn't need to put that into regulation. So I'm, I'm straddling the fence on both sides. One, I don't feel like we need more regulation. But two, because so many people are doing stupid things, you kind of have to have it. Um, does it prevent them from doing it? No, if somebody wants to do something, they do it anyway, right? But at least there is legal recourse, which is really the p- purpose of the regulation. It says you can't do something, and then if you do do that thing, here's the consequence. Mm-hmm. That's really what regulation is, isn't it? Right. Yeah. 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 Yes, and also, like, it's so it, yeah, it's like, yeah. It, it, I just, I was, at first I was thinking, like, okay, this is, I, I personally like the idea of putting together something that can fly, mm-hmm. right? It's like the ultimate paper plane. Yeah. Right, because you can actually print parts of these things. You can buy little parts. You can go to like your neighborhood Radio yeah. Shack because I still believe in Radio Shack. <laughs> I'm Even for though you. they what I'm they close three thousand stores. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, still rooting for them. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like so you can do that, and I, I think that's kind of cool. And then the smaller, the better. The fact that you can go into autopilot type of thing is what you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cool because I don't think I'd be able to like. 
pick up and just, you know, be really balanced, like mm-hmm. you fly it properly. But then I thought about something. What's that? Birds. Okay. And, you know, how many, so I quickly checked, are there any bird collisions? And there's some YouTube videos out there of, like, mm-hmm. major big hawks that are, like, attacking these, like, um, like uh, drones. Drones, right? Because, you know, it's like a, you know, a drone is, like, what, 55 pounds, like the ones that we're talking about? Yeah, maybe less. less. Yeah, some of them are maybe less. Right? Most of them are maybe less than and that. And they usually yeah. fly below 50, 50 pounds feet. is heavy for a drone. Right. Yeah, and they, yeah. And they, and they fly, like, less, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, to the point where I've seen, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing different things to keep drones from flying in their area. One of the ones I saw is people training hawks to take down drones. Yeah. So some of the drones, like the DJI Phantom drones, are small enough that a hawk can literally pluck it out of the air and then drop it on the ground. Yeah. Small and light enough. And, and, you know, and those are, those are like, those are like fairly resilient birds, a hawk, you know, and all the other stuff, but, but there are not, there are some birds that are not as resilient, Mm -hmm. and, I mean, are you really messing with, like, their airfield, in a way, like, you know, like, do we have that right to do that, and, 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 and when I say this, I don't mean, like, now, currently, that, you know, it's still, like, an up, up, uptick rate of, Mm -hmm. of infancy, yeah, but later on, when there's a lot of them, like, we were just sitting around, like, in, in, in front of my like my com- my computer, like I was working in front of my desk, and Jose was like, "Did you see the drone?" Because <laughs> you know, I love sitting near the window, and then I was like, "All right, cool." So there's this drone that was just like hovering over me and then like over the window. Yeah, it, was, it was far away. <laughs> okay, good. Like, That's what I thought. I was like, "Oh my god, just hovering," but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like if that that starts. I I start questioning that that sense, like yeah. how you know how much more are we impacting our nature and wildlife. Just for for the sake of being able to three D print your own little yeah. thing, but you know that's that's interesting because you brought up quite a few points in that um, in your argument there. The uh, I, I agree with you. I think that there's a certain level of of DIY independence and and freedom mm-hmm. that you can get by building something yourself that that uh, can you can take outside and take to the air. I mean, fundamentally. Flight has has eluded human beings for a very long time, and only until recently, you know, the last few hundred years, uh, with you know lighter than air um, uh, air travel with hot air balloons and stuff like that, um, have we been able to really kind of defy gravity and and take to flight? And I don't know about you, but as a kid, I always used to fantasize about being able to fly like Superman. You know, that, what a what a wonderful thing to get from point A to point B. Like Superman, so there is a a romantic idea of being able to to take on the freedom of flight, right. and and then of course it's the other side of that. Once everybody starts uh, living the dream, if you will, um, is there enough room in the sky for other living things? And uh, recently, I saw a very interesting video of a of a guy on a golf course, mm-hmm. and he was driving a ball. And he was he was just concentrating on the ball and driving it, you know, all the way down 400 yards, whatever it was. He swings, strikes the ball, and the minute the ball leaves, probably within 30 feet, a duck happens oh. to fly oh. exactly in the path of the ball, and he kills it. Right. <laughs> so here's something completely, totally unrelated to drones, still dangerous to airborne wildlife. 
Um, and of course, you know, we know the uh, the issues with uh, windmills and stuff like that and airplanes. Airplanes suck in birds all the time. They get mm-hmm. sucked into the engine all the time. It is a thing. I think a lot of uh, of man's activities, <laughs> even if you're not mm-hmm. in the air, <laughs> are dangerous to a lot of a lot of uh, the wildlife and specifically the uh, the uh, air, uh, you know, birds and stuff. Yeah. Uh, they, such, yeah. Everybody should uh, Google on or in YouTube search for is Randy Johnson strikes bird while pitching, and it's literally in the oh, middle of a baseball so stadium. Uh-huh. Is Same thing. Pitcher throw. I mean, he throws. He used to throw like hundred mile an hour fastball. He does his wind up. He delivers his pitch, and just as the pitch is going, a bird flies by, hits it. I mean, this poor bird. All you see is feathers just. Yeah. And 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 the bird just sort of lands in like the back wall or whatever. So yeah, I mean, you know, this sort of stuff happens all the time. But I mean, I think to me, as I hear you guys both talk, like I think the reason why this is important, this sort of discussion and this. I don't want to call it a legal battle, but to a degree, this sort of a legal battle is because this is the first step towards if we if we really thinking at some point there's gonna be the flying car, right? Which you know some movies predict that we'd already have flying cars by this point. You know this is sort of the first step towards that. Whatever is decided here, if at one point we all want to have flying cars and be able to get somewhere through the air, you know you have to have these discussions. Yeah. I think this is the first step towards those discussions. Yeah, you know, there's people that are already trying to develop basically a quadcopter as a personal transportation vehicle that's going to be yeah. large enough to. to well, that's what I was going to ask them. you. I, I know I did see that a couple of months ago mm-hmm. about an electric drone for a right. one one person flight. Mm-hmm. Right, and I, it's in I the saw, testing phases. Testing yeah, phases. Now. Yeah, I saw something similar. My first thought was based on the design of it. Like I didn't see, I didn't see any room for parachutes on it. <laughs> so, like you're not getting yeah. in that thing because if it's a failure, you're you're plummeting to the ground. Uh, unless you're putting parachutes on it, I'm I'm not getting on that thing. Um, but yeah, you know, like that that is sort of the, the legal battle that's coming, and and this I think affects the future of you know if we ever gonna have flying cars. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like that would be nice too, <laughs> flying a car. Yeah. But at the same time, there's ethics. <laughs> so I was like, ah, yeah, it's hard. Well, it's there's dangerous, right? Um, how many celebrities have died trying to fly their own plane? Yeah. Although I don't know if that's such a tragedy. I, I didn't use the word <laughs> tragedy, but <laughs> no, no, definitely. Uh, I'm gonna say I don't think that's that's that bad. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I think an interesting discussion. I don't think we'll have the answers necessarily have, but I think it's a discussion to be had. So, Yeah. Cool. I, I do have a question. Shoot. So back in the day, mm-hmm. like really back in the day when we like were... Like in 2014. Yeah, when we way were... Way back in the we, day. Yeah, 2014. <laughs> <laughs> way, way, way before 2014. Mm-hmm. So technically, if you like had a water balloon and you threw it at someone from really far away... Right. Wouldn't that be an unmanned, weaponized? That'd be an airborne projectile. Projectile. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's that's not. I I think the idea of using a like, that's why the first thing I mentioned was the Australians using uh, a balloon with explosives. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. But but that's not the same as throwing something at somebody. (laughs) Now, using a drone to carry a bunch of balloons and then dropping dropping them on people. That would be yeah. Yeah. Ah, That would be fun. 
Again, drones are very dangerous, and you should not use them for things like that. <laughs> so. That um, is why people like Claudia is why we need regulations. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, so that was our that this is our first um, show where one of us does a report, and then we have a discussion about it. So yeah, more to come in the future. Thank you, Jose, for teaching us about drones. You're very welcome. Yeah. I hope I hope it was informative to some degree. Yeah. It is. I'm surprised that there have been so many experiments so far back. Right. Oh, wait, we didn't talk about one thing. What's that? How much do they cost? So I did mention that actually. So, oh, you did? Sorry. Yeah, so sort of the the, the lowest end DJI um, drone, which is the Phantom. Right now they're at the Phantom 3 or the Phantom, I think the Phantom 4 is coming, or the Phantom 4 just came out. But you can get the Phantom 3 for right around 500 bucks. Ooh. Which is a very good price for that kind of drone. Um, and and can you get, is that a, like new or refurb? Uh, no, no, that's new. I think you can get, like, if you wanted to buy used, you could probably get it for a lot less than that. Like, somebody that's looking to upgrade to the newer one, you could buy their Phantom 2 or something for even less than that, probably. Um, and then Phantom had other ones. Um, the Inspire is one of their higher-end drones, and the Inspire is one where, you know, it, you start getting more features, where the, the landing legs move out of the way. So if you, if you have a camera at the bottom of it, the legs are out of the way. You know, like the Phantom and a lot of the, the regular drones have legs that you land on. But if yeah. you have a camera mounted on the bottom of the drone, then those legs are on your way. You only have so much of a field of view for the camera. Yeah. yeah. So some of these other drones now start moving the legs out of the way of it and things like that. Um, that Inspire does that. Um, they also have... Is that also by DJI? That's also by DJI. And DJI also have the Mavic, which is... Um, a slightly higher version of, than the Phantom as well, yeah. and and the Mavic is actually the one one of the groups I'm in that it's sort of specifically to make your own Mavic, so you can 3D print the body and the chassis and all that stuff. Oh. And there are files out there, so you can make it some more a little more open source in that sense. Yeah, I guess now now's the time to mention, even though you've been you've mentioned the individual products of. Uh, of DJI that we are not affiliated with them at all. Right. No, no, we're not. Yeah. I'm just mentioning them because they're sort of the most... The, Prolific. The better, right, the better yeah. known brand, you know. Um, yeah, and there's, you know, you can find Kickstarter. I have a friend that I play volleyball with who bought one, bought a, bought one that just controlled with your phone. And, you know, and the, the arms fold apart. It's, it's just barely bigger than an iPhone. And it flies really nicely. So, yeah, you know, you can find a, you can find a big variety of... Of drones out there. So, yeah. Very nice. Cool. So are we ready to move on to the next section? Yes, that's it. Next segment. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Alright, so it's time for the next segment, which is the product of the week. Uh, as always, we are not affiliated with the product of the week. We the we we haven't had contact with the company per se. It's just you know we find a product that we think it's either useful or meh. we find a product that we want to discuss on air, and then we talk about it, whether we like it or don't like it. You know we're not getting paid or, or in any way, shape, or form asked to talk about this product. So. Yeah, and I would say it's not that we're against that. Right. This is just full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody did want us to evaluate the product, I think I'd, I'd be willing to do that. We just oh, disclose 
that they handed it to us. Exactly. We would, we yes. would just be open about the fact that they, they let us have one to, to check it out and to discuss it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're out there and you're listening and you want us to talk about something that you're doing or, yeah. or not, let us know. Yeah, if you've got a $1,000 drone you need mm-hmm. test uh, for us to do a little <laughs> test on, exactly. we, we can crash it. I could, I'd be happy to crash one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but speaking of crashing, this week the product of the week is the the drum, the, no the brum b r u m m, and it's a wooden car toy that allows you to build different car models. Um, and as always, there's a link that people can click on to sort of see what we're talking about. Um, but I put this on here because it sort of reminded me when I was when I was little, I had like you know block, wood blocks that you could put together and make like houses or or different type of things, you know, you have Legos. So this is a similar idea, but it's you can make different wooden car, wooden cars to play with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting to think what you guys thought about. Uh, the first thing that I can't get out of my head is that when you mentioned when you were little, mm-hmm. uh, what are you, six foot four? <laughs> I am six foot four. Yeah, six foot four. Never, yeah the bl- you were never little, don't lie. I was never little I was, when I was younger <laughs> is what I meant. You're correct yeah, yeah. in that sense, yes. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah. These these blocks are interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Lonnie? Does it say that it's for what age group? Uh, I don't think it's for what age group, but I, I think you're too old for it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that? I'm, yeah. I'm too old for a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I think this design for toddlers. Uh, you know, I, I would say, uh, like what, one to three years old, something like that. Uh, probably, I think if you're, I mean, I, I bet you could even play with it up to like six or seven. Past that, you're probably not, it's probably not going to hold your interest Yeah. much further than that, other than for the, you know, the novelty of it. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's really minimalist, right? Because it's mm-hmm. just one base and seven pieces. So at that point, like, you know, like see what you can do, but it's fun because you can come up with different shapes of it right. and the colors you can also play around with as well. Mm-hmm. And, um. I think durability wise, it's, you know, you can never go wrong with wood, right? There's no lead in wood. There's no lead in wood. But also because it's made of wood, you could start with the original kit of the seven pieces. And then if you're so inclined and you have the tool, you could make more pieces to yeah. make Yourself, it yourself. That's kind of cool, yeah. 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 I, I got to tell you what, what drew me to it is, like you said when you were little, Mm-hmm. Um, it's the nostalgia of playing with wooden toys, mm-hmm. right? That's what really is very interesting because, uh, you know, I, I think most people played with wooden toys at some form, sometime or another. Maybe this generation is more used to electronics. Uh, like I remember my niece and nephew, they, they were playing with cell phones mm-hmm. probably very early on at two or three years old, they were playing with cell phones, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of normal these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the idea that it's a, a, a a natural material, wood, uh, a lot of early toys, and a lot of people had experiences with wooden toys. And the idea of the car is a, is a modern notion. Mm-hmm. So to take these abstract blocks and, and make these shapes, and I would say that it doesn't make a perfect replica of, a, of any one type of car, but ab- uh, abstractively it makes the shape of a car or a truck or or those kind of things that you get the idea of what it is. Right. Uh, these are not literal. It's not a literal interpretation as far as shape is concerned. Right. But 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 that's what I like about it. I like that it's primitive. I like that it's uh, reminds me of early childhood. 
And and I think that's probably what they're banking on is that people who have those kind of memories would want this kind of toy for their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is a big part of it. I think it's a toy that the parent's going to like first and is going to get it for the child. I mean, in an age where, you know, at one day old gets an iPad put in front of them with different shapes and colors or whatever. So yeah, they yeah. can look at something rather than like a, a mobi- mobile, mobile, mobile. Yeah, yeah, mobile, mobile. mobile. I, I think it's the same thing. Yeah, either way. <laughs> right, they put the iPad in front of them to have different shapes or whatever. You know, having... a vintage idea like this is kind of cool yeah and you know what's interesting it's a sign of the times that we are looking at this quote-unquote new product that reminds us of how things used to be right it's a real it's a real sign of the time today mm-hmm. you know if you, if you had this 30 years ago 40 years ago people are like yeah that's just like all the other things on the shelf here exactly yeah 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 but it's the analog idea coming back kind of more yeah. Of a constantly uh, I didn't see anything about price. Yeah, I didn't see anything about price either. Mm, yeah, I didn't see the price mentioned on here. Hmm. I'll have to look. I'll have to look it up and see if we can find the price on something else. And yeah, yeah, I didn't see anything about price. But yeah, I mean, if you had to price it, what would you pay for it? Um, I honestly, I think with the because they've got uh, some inlays in here, makes it kind of interesting. Um, I'd say in the ten to fifteen dollar range, I think would be fair. Hmm. I bet you it's a little more expensive than that. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I bet it's you because like hundred bucks. Really? No, no, no. You're exaggerating. I think it would be less than that. I think it would because it's wood. I mean, it's like what else can you like? You cannot like. I think it's probably. It's gotta be like thirty-five to forty dollars. Really. I will do research yeah. on it and I will get back to you guys next week. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Because, I mean, although it's interesting and it's wood, wood is not an expensive material. You know? Beach right, is very abundant. It's not like it's... But you're looking at it from a point of view of something that you could make this because you have the tools and the knowledge to make something like this out of wood. Yeah. The average person cannot make this with the inlay headlights that it has yeah. and stuff. They, they can't yeah. make this. You think and so? that, yeah, and yeah. and then, and I wouldn't even say just that, but it's it's also like, it's the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Just the nostalgia gets you twenty dollars, like just that. Like you're not really? even accounting for materials and stuff. Yeah, that's how those people. That's how so people wait, so are what buying. Did you say it was gonna. So Ray said fifteen to twenty. You said I said thirty to forty. Thirty to forty, and I was at a hundred. All right, yeah. so we'll see. Well, it'll be interesting. <laughs> All right. If you know what reminds me of, the price is right. Yeah. Let's see who got closest without going over. All right. Yeah, I'm going to screw because if I, I, I'm the most likely to have gone over. So. Yep. Yeah, if it's like $99, you went over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so tuning next week to see who was closest to the actual price. Yeah. Let me uh, make a note of that. <laughs> All right, cool. So let's go into our next segment, which is what are we all working on? <laughs> so what are we working on? Who, who would like to go first? Claudia, why don't you go first? Yeah, uh, let's see. What am I working? I've been working a lot on comprehensive plan, which is really wonky urban planner uh I don't even know what else to call it because it's just like it's basically three volumes of this huge document that will. Well, I think maybe you'd start by explaining to people what the what it is. Plan so the comprehensive is. plan for DC is basically a twenty-year framework guideline of 
future development in the District of Columbia, in the capital of the U.S. But and, it includes zoning. And it includes, it, includes, it, it basically guides zoning. Mm-hmm. And the big issue is, is that they supposedly have to go, do this amendments every five and ten years. And the amendments that they've been doing, they, meaning the um, Office of Planning and the Mayor's Office and everybody else, has been very biased for developers. And so they're not uh, amending, you know, like they're still going by vacant lots from back in 2005, right? And, you know, if this wasn't 2017 in the age of data, one could be like, okay, that's that's fine. You don't have access to the information yet or anything like that. But we have like literally, you know, like neighborhood level data of vacant properties. We, we can figure that out right now. And the fact that they're not using that data and, and making these decisions very arbitrarily, it's really frustrating. Um, but it's kind of cool then that like the community, like we're really doing, like we had one meeting that was 125 people and um, I was I was really lucky and humbled to present at that meeting, like, you know, like a big chunk of it and as, a, as an urban planning and environmental policy expert. So that in itself, it's like, whoa, there's a little bit of responsibility in that, in that community members, you know, like are learning from you and that's kind of cool. And, but at the same time, it's, it's it's so important um so yeah but that's so right now we're going through our people's uh amendment process of the con plan is what we're calling it now (laughs) but is the comprehensive plan uh in the district and one quick thing about it though is um you can add uses because this is all about land use in the district of what we want the next 10 years to be for land use and I mean, I've been hearing some amazing stuff from people like, you know, as far as um, low scale industry, low scale fabrication mm-hmm. and the need for small businesses, incubators and technology incubators in, in vulnerable communities and underserved communities, mm-hmm. because you start seeing like the workforce development that the the built environment and these land uses are creating that are solely focused on housing because they can make money out of that, right? Mm-hmm. Market value, market-based housing. Yet they're not putting the money nor um, building, renovating, infilling with these tech shops and fabrication labs that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. So well, that's one of the things that we're including in this. You know, So I think like the, you know, some... The, that's why I was about to say that I've been missing this because it always gets me to think about technology in a different way. It gets me to think about technology as a land use. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we think about technology as a land use. Mm-hmm. And like that's that type of stuff. And it gets me a lot. Like uh, it gets me really encouraged because most of the solutions are coming from community members mm-hmm. that are of low income mm-hmm. and, and they would like to have access to the stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. One of the things that you mentioned that I think you haven't said since we haven't done this in like almost two months, um, but you were granted expert status in the D.C. area. Yeah. So maybe we should mention that. Yeah. Uh, well, so in zoning, and we're the three of us are planners, right, and are architects, and we've always had our bosses go in front of zoning commissions to get approval for a variance, right, for any project that we've been working on. 
So in that whole entire process, which is technically like a, almost like a mini trial, because mm-hmm. you have an opposing team, uh, they always the developers always hire experts, and technically our bosses or our work is usually presented as the expert advice mm-hmm. on that. But the community never has experts, and um, I was <laughs> I had to I went and this is all a video, and I'm going to post it more like on the website too, of how I went and provided my resume and provided all of my experience and I was grilled by five men telling me that well we want to make sure that you are an expert in urban planning and you know in and in urban environmental policy and I was able to show them with all my work that I with all the work that I've been doing advocacy work and then the private sector work and yeah on the spot they granted me expert status certification so that means that from now on any community member community organization um, and technically like even developers could technically reach out to me and i can go and provide testimony as an expert Mm -hmm. cool 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 ray what about you what have you been working on other than the spinners any progress on the boat uh yeah i um i i ended up uh getting a um a trailer from uh, from Harbor Freight, and it was one of these put together trailers. You you buy it as a kit and you assemble it, <clears throat> and it's actually a utility trailer, not a boat trailer. Mm-hmm. And the reason I bought this trailer this way is because I was looking for a boat trailer, a used one, and I found plenty of them, but no titles. Nobody mm-hmm. had a title to a trailer, and that is basically like buying something you can't own. And yeah, yeah, just like you the idea. Buy a motorcycle without a title or something. Of like course, that. yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. So I wouldn't buy a trailer without a, a title. Mm-hmm. And I, and it just was confusing to me. How do you lose the only documentation that proves you own something, and then try to sell it? It's very <laughs> suspicious. It's very suspicious to me. Yeah. So even though I found quite a few things, I'm like, you know what? I'm not even gonna bother. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna do it myself. And uh, made a video about assembling the trailer. And then uh, I had three more videos of the conversion, the process of modifications to make it fit my boat. Mm -hmm. So I just did that last week. I finished it last weekend, and I did a test launch from the trailer into the water. The boat boat launched well. So now I've got the boat back at home. So I'm going to be finishing it up in the next uh, few weeks, probably in about – I'm hoping to get it done in, in about a month. Uh, it's not a lot of work to do. It's just uh, to find the time when the spinners are taking so much of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to take a break on spinners because, uh, honestly, I am very tired of the spinners. Yeah. You're spinned out. I am <laughs> spinned out, yeah. I think like, I think to, to sort of put it in perspective for people, it's like basically the way you're doing this, that you're almost doing like, if you were running, say, a Kickstarter, you, do, you take in orders for a certain amount of time. And yes. then you, you beat yourself to death putting those together to ship them out. Yes. And then you, once that's done, you do it all over again. <laughs> I do it all over again, yes. Yeah, which is it's tough because, you know, most people that I think, well, I don't know, I mean. not. And that's while still having this. a full-time job. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and not a lot of people are doing it this way with spinners because it's it's hard to, it's, it's not an easy process, you know. It's not like anybody can do this. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and during the same process, I keep getting all kinds of uh, solicitations for quoting mm-hmm. other designs. People have designs, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of quote-unquote spinner designers, very few manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So I must have gotten 
since the beginning of the year, over 30 different um, inquiries Jeez. for wow. quoting for quoting different spinner designs. Yeah, mm. but uh, they end up. I think of uh, I had one gentleman where I made buttons for him. Mm-hmm. So of those thirty, only one of them panned out, and I made buttons, mm-hmm. which are the where you put your fingers. Yeah, the, the finger, the finger <clears throat> holds basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, made some custom ones for him. He was very happy and satisfied. Uh, but the issue, of course, is everybody wants it as inexpensively as possible, and they want it to turn around tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So that makes it very, very tough to do, while simultaneously also making the ones I'm making for for my customers. Yeah. yeah, and of course, running every other job in the shop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and aside from the ones, the standard ones you sell from the gear ones, you also make some custom ones for the people as well too. So yeah, like the one you saw, the the Heimdall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I did that one on speculation, right. and the customer liked it so much they went ahead and, and paid me for the one off. It the was one. very, right. yeah, it was very expensive single one. And uh, but he thinks he's going to be ordering fifty or sixty more. Oh, nice! Yeah. yeah. Well, so I, sometimes I, you got to do that. You you got to do a little speculation work to stimulate yeah. more more orders. And I still think that's one that you could potentially put up on your site and you'd be able to sell some of. Because like I said, that's a character in one of the uh, Marvel movies. So yeah. So yeah, cool. Very very cool. Um, so for myself. Um, once I finish the automatic stuff, I've been sort of busy with some stuff here around the house. Uh, well, I was actually up at your shop a couple of times yeah. over the break, just sort of doing some laser cutting for stuff that I sell in my Etsy store. The, oh, you know what? I took a look at it. I like the stuff you got on there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I took, sh- took some photos and everything. I even showed it to a couple of people, seeing if they would be interested. In, we got on the topic, topic of, of lasers, and I said, oh, yeah, my friend comes over and cuts stuff on the laser. Here's his Etsy, Etsy shop. Oh, nice. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's something I enjoy doing. It's, it's nice to, uh, you know, like, because it's just up on the Etsy store, you get orders from them. Like, I, I got an order yesterday that I've got to put together over the weekend or whatever. But it's, you know, it's just, it, I enjoy this. It, it started as Claudia wanted some earrings for, was it your birthday? Was it Christmas? I forget. It was one of those things. So she was like, maybe it was birthmas. It maybe it was both because they actually close (laughs) to each other. Um, But yeah, so she was like, oh, make some custom earrings for me. So I made some for her, and I was just like, I already have designs. Let's just put them up and see how they sell. And they've been selling. So you know, you get one or two orders a week. Uh, About yeah, like uh, like I was saying, the last. It's funny because you know it's not even been a month since I was up there. It's been probably two weeks. And yeah. it took me a couple of days to take the photos of everything and put everything up. In those in those fifteen or whatever days, it's been a, a good eight to ten orders. You know. Oh, good. So, so, yeah, so you're gonna need to cut some more then. Uh, well, no, because it's from different ones. So okay. Since there's there's ten different items up, and it's spread out through the ten different items pretty evenly actually. Um, oh, good. So you have plenty of stock. Yeah, I have plenty of stock still. The ones that get that's been getting the most orders because the movie just came out is the Wonder Woman stuff that I have up there. Yeah, um, it's a good movie actually, by the way, if anybody wants to check it out. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's, so I've been work. I I did that for a bit. I've and I've been working on a bunch of sort of random stuff. I put up finally put up the video of the Batarang that I three D printed. 
Um, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so that's up. It turned out pretty good. I, I did a paint job on it to sort of make it look worn and whatnot as well. Yeah, and, and I gotta tell you, it looks good. It does not look plastic. Right. Yeah, that was the that, and that was the the part of it that I kept aiming at is to try and not make it look like it's made of plastic, like it's made of metal somehow. Yeah. So it was a lot of sanding and repainting and painting again to 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 do to get that accomplished. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this week I'm gonna put up I I made a championship belt also 3D printed for uh-huh. for a friend of mine. So that'll go up this week if I can get the video. Do you guys uh, do you guys play WWE? Is that what it is? <laughs> is it, are, you, yes. are you guys wrestling each other for yes, the belt? It's just Jose and I yeah. on our own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I beat. I win all the time. Well, yeah. uh, so I, I tell the story in the video, but it was a friend that I played volleyball with was moving, and uh, so we, you know, when somebody leaves the volleyball group that we have, you know, we usually get a card or we'll get like a gift for them or whatever. But, uh, you know, this is one of the people that had been around for a while. So we were like, oh, let's do some special. So I was going to make a volleyball championship belt that we all then signed the back up or whatever. So it's like a little trophy, if you will, for him to take with him because he was moving. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's I kinda, You know what? I, that kind of ruined it. I was hoping you guys were wrestling. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right, that would have been so much a be- like such a better story. Right. Yeah, I like that one better. <laughs> One thing that I wanted to mention, um, something that we did back in April, because it's been a while that we have mm-hmm. been, you know, like talking about what we've been doing. Yeah. But Jose and I were invited to a, um, it was a fair, a STEM fair, mm-hmm. and it was by an academy, like an after school academy. And this is all done through an organization that's called Thursdays Network, and it's um, a uh, uh, black leadership and and mentorship uh, program by the. Uh, urban league here in the district the national urban league but the the chapter of the district Mm -hmm. and it's this awesome group of like just young you know professionals of color and they invited us to participate in their stem fair and we took all of our all of our stuff the made you know the mid cast like basically what we what we go and show at the maker fairs um and this was for um uh middle school kids Mm -hmm. and basically the kids would go and rotate around tables and of course, we took some like of the, of the plastic, um, like three D printed spinners, mm-hmm. and talking to them about what they wanted to do, what you know, like as far as going to school and how they can become like manufacturers themselves and create their own stuff. It was really cool. And also, like, there's always you know the one kid that wants to be an architect, and then mm-hmm. once he's teased and he talks to us, then it like you can see that it solidifies that that like thought of yeah i can do this right right? and then oh and you can include 3d printing into what you guys are doing and then you know talk about design and stuff and my my heart the funniest part about all of this is that so i like i don't know if you guys have noticed but i talk a lot (laughs) no you know what that has never never once crossed my mind not once i can't imagine that comes across on the show at all at all right no even a little (laughs) <laughs> so like I'm very long-winded in these things that I that I speak to. I mean I give good information, but it's just long-winded, and try to do that to like a teenager, a tween, you know, like I'm like oh my gosh, I'm losing them, I'm losing them. So like this panic comes over me, and I'm like I am totally losing them. There's like they're not understanding. It's not that they're not understanding. They're just they stop listening to me, <laughs> and um, 
but they are, you know, it's like they're busy, like doing everything else, not even looking at you doing other stuff, but they're, they're listening to you and it's kind of cool. And it makes you like, it, it helped me because I was able to give the information right away. It teaches you like, you know, if there's anybody in an age group, it's anybody between 10 and 14, you have to be concise with. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it was a fun. Especially like, today, yeah. they seem they seem uh, less able to focus than we were when we were that age. Well, they also have a lot of other things that they're looking at. You know, they're looking at their phone. They're, they, so if you're not concise, they're going to turn their attention to their phone or to their friend or to something else. It's yeah. Just, it's yeah. To go. So, so yeah. but that was a fun, fun yeah. event. I think they're they're still looking right now. For instance, I was just looking at their website and they're looking for new mentors. So we're really trying to put this. Um, making movement as part of like a stem pro a stem process like profession mm-hmm. so like yeah participate in those mentorship programs are yeah. we're look forward to any like if anybody or any of our listeners know other organizations like that that would we don't mind doing these things you know just taking off like the afternoon and going over there and talking to to kids mm-hmm. it's awesome yeah yeah cool. uh yeah so i think that's everything we've been up to i guess the show for the week um, we are all committed to be doing this more sort of on a weekly basis and uh, we'll be back next week I think maybe next week we do an all news episode if everybody's up for it okay sounds good yep, yep. Cool. it'll be my turn no we're gonna do all news oh yeah. sorry yeah, yeah. she it. wasn't listening like a 13 year old kid <laughs> but I agreed though right but she agreed we could have actually she said agreed. anything yeah. yeah like a 13 year old kid yep, that's like me. a 13 year old kid yeah. I just saw a drone go by sorry I gotta go uh, so next week will be on news the week after you want to do yours yeah report okay yep so that's the next two weeks and uh yeah thanks everybody for listening alright bye bye alright bye